You're listening to the Pop Tart Podcast. Girls down. You already know. Sometimes you meet someone that all of a sudden has the power to make you feel and wish that you were something else mm. than what you are. And when you do you, you accidentally inspire other people. And I'm so comfortable in my skin when something fits me so well. I feel like I have my place in the world. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop-Tarts. Me, 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 me. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors of Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today's guest is a true musical magician, as well as one of my personal style icons. Netta Barzilai, better known by her one word rock star moniker, Netta, is an Israeli pop singer, songwriter, and looping artist who rocketed to international fame in 2018 when she won the Eurovision Song Contest with her song, Toy. Since then, she has released two albums, Goodie Bag and The Best of Netta's Office, Volume 1, and her new single, I Love My Nails, has been racking up hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube since the official video debuted May 12th. She has a very busy summer coming up here in the U.S., and I cannot wait to talk to her all about it. Welcome, Netta, to our show. Yay! Yay! What's up? I'm so, so, so happy and excited to be here finally. Hooray! You know, Netta, on this show, we always like to start our interviews with an overview of our guest's early life. I know that you were raised in Israel, but your family also spent a few years in Nigeria. How did you find your way to music and what was your creative journey like before you made it on Eurovision? Uh, that's a very, very, very big question. <laughs> you even can, like, you can do even the too notes. big. You might, you might, you might have to do me a favor and break it up for me because it was like three questions. Sure. Absolutely. One. Tell me about your journey to music. Let's just, let's just keep it at that. Uh, it's, it's, it has like a very cliche start. Like, uh, the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those who was always singing before they could even talk. Um, like music was always a part of my life. Um, and when we grew up in Nigeria, I went to an international school over there in Imbadan called IITA. And I was in a classroom with people from Mexico and people from Japan and people from uh, Nigeria. And uh, all of the cultures was, were celebrated and the languages and the tastes and it was like utopia for how a kid should grow up. And everyone was, everyone was physically different. So I wasn't, I, I, I never felt that I was different. And uh, culturally, it was so rich. I grew up on amazing musicians, Nigerian and musicians from Ghana and, uh, and musicians from, from Spain and, and a lot of pop music. And then when I was about uh, six and a half or seven, we came back to Israel and, and one day really, really, uh, um, we, we stopped everything uh, and moved back to Israel. And I moved back, back to like a 40, white kids situation in a classroom and all of a sudden I was the fat unibrowed kid with the accent who's also very very sensitive and that was a surprise that mm. <laughs> was mm. like in one day um you are that and when kids label you uh then it sticks and and and, and that was me and my mother was miserably trying to make me feel happy and she sent me to the school choir, which there uh, I, I really discovered that I have uh, a musical ear and I have like a unique 
a unique way of 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 expressing expressing it. I was mimicking uh, animals and 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 birds and and singers, and that talent grew because it helped me gain social status. Uh, it helped me survive, and this is how it started. The the more skilled I got the easier it was for me in school and the easier it was for me to gain new friends and and uh, when I was 18 I I knew I needed to do something to change uh, the way I the way I was uh, because I needed to choose music again I needed to choose it as something that I pursue for for passion and love and not as something that I use as a defense mechanism. Amazing. Um, so I took a year off singing and that was the best thing I did for myself because I, I started, this was when I started loving me for me. Uh, and and using music as as a firm as a as a form of expressing it, not as a form of um, of of making people to love me and and me uh, and, and and convincing me to love me. I uh, I needed to develop my whole set of social skills all over again, and and overcome this trauma that was so strong for me when I was um, six years old. And in the past year, we decided to dive into that. And I wrote an entire album uh, talking about that specific phase in Nigeria. It's, uh, I, I hope it, all of the songs will be released soon. Uh, and uh, and I call it Playground Politica. I can't wait to hear it. That sounds amazing. Thank you. You know, first of all, I need to personally thank you for winning Eurovision in 2018, because in 2019, I was working on a travel story in Las Vegas, and I went into a skincare store inside the Planet Hollywood Casino, and there was an Israeli guy working there who freaked out because he thought that I looked like you, and I walked out Mm -hmm. of that place with like a giant bag of free product because that man loves you (laughs) so much. No, that happened. And that's the truth. I actually would love to look like you. I don't think that I do, but I was happy. That to is you, so pretty. <laughs> you know, first of all, you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> very, very welcome. I am uh, very happy for you. Um, for all that perks that you got perks that really? were rightly yours but that I received <laughs> uh if I actually think I actually think I visited that shop not later after you did you really uh, did an Israeli yes, man freak uh, out there yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I was like isn't that like this the soap shop that everything looks like cakes um I don't I don't remember everything looking like cakes. Everything was like in very fancy, glossy jars. And I like walked in a new, I could not afford anything. Maybe in that it's store. like a different shop. Is all Israeli people in soap business? <laughs> I guess. So. <laughs> you know, uh, if I got that reaction, just because an Israeli thought that I looked like you, I can only imagine what your life must have been like after you brought the title home for Israel for the first time in 20 years, how did your life change after you won Eurovision? It was, it was a very long time ago. Um, uh, but, uh, but it completely changed. I, um, it's a very long story as well. Uh, people don't understand that um, especially people in America, that Eurovision is a very ancient competition. It's, it's, it's a legacy. It has a legacy. 
and is uh, and and history and and it has power to change realities to change people's lives which is funny because it's a song competition it's like 200 million people watching it live it's the biggest live broadcast in europe and uh, every country sends an original song with a representative to sing it and they all compete and someone wins <laughs> and the country that wins gets to host the competition and uh well, ukraine and, won and this year right uh yes which is which was it was very it's a it was a very emotional win uh to see all of the countries of europe to see the 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 um uh, a world summit for 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 peace for 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 people to say something, it's powerful. And it was powerful to watch them, them take it this year. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not about music when, when, it, when it should be about music, but I think this time it was rightfully, uh, it, it needed to happen um, this way. So, Eurovision has come to our lives to unite the countries after World War II. Uh, it was, it's, it's a 70-year-old competition or more. Please don't kill me, Euro fans, that here's that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the exact years that, that it exists. Um, but uh, it, Eurovision had like a very, uh, it, 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 uh, it went, through a lot of phases uh, and it it's also like the the tackiest uh, uh, it, it can be tacky it can be uh, outdated and it can also be the most relevant platform for for someone to to present new music and in the last couple uh, or is it four years the acts that won are amazing. Like the, the the one that won last year, Maneskin, is like one of the biggest promises of of music. Uh, the charting with all and all the billboards. The one before them from Holland uh, has an amazing song called Alcade, which charted in TikTok with in so many countries, and it ha- it's it's become a very relevant platform to create. And, and jumpstart people's international careers. People that would never had any chance to get to this type of audience. So when I uh, started my way, I, I was thinking, I had like a, a, um, an opinion about it. And I never, never ever in my life, I thought uh, my career could, could go there, should go there. It seemed like something that is so far away from me. I was doing blues in bars. I was a jam singer. I was paid uh, most oftenly with beer, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes with free tickets for friends. And, uh, and that was for a very long time, my career. I was enjoying myself the way that I can't say that it, it's the same way today. It was free and irresponsible. My, my nutritious was mostly fries, <laughs> uh, rarely bought by me. Uh, and I had a blast, I really did. I was, I was, made, I was doing cabaret without understanding what is cabaret? I was improvising. I was I was experimenting. It was the most. I, I was learning how to, to entertain a crowd, and it was the best school for performance for me. At some point, I bought um, my looper, 
which allowed me to express all of, because I don't play an instrument, but I have a lot of musical ideas with all my, my choir education with harmonies and stuff. And the fact that I have a, a drummer brother makes me an okay beatboxer. So I, um, I am actually, uh, so sorry. I'm actually doing my nails now. Oh, nice. Say hi to my nail artist. Hi. Her name is Lebu. <laughs> it's her, actually, it's her first time doing my nails. And, uh, and um, I thought it would be nice, like, for me to have an interview while my nails are being made. But she just started, like, with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now our listeners, the, when they hear the scratch, the scratch, scratch, it is you literally well, getting your nails ASMR, done like a boss. Well, it's a little ASMR interview. That's right. So um, while we're scratching, I'm going to continue my story where I stopped. I'm sorry, I was so distracted. Um, <laughs> you got a looper. So I got a looper and uh, it started being something that I use very often uh, in a very creative way. And all of a sudden I became a very, very skilled <laughs> a looping artist uh, after like a year using this. And I tried to perform with it, but most of the venues didn't have, uh, didn't have ways to amplify it well, because when I, when I record to the looper uh, uh, and, and there's like a shitty uh, uh, outsource, there's a shitty like, uh, I don't know how to say it, speaker. Yeah. Then it goes in the microphone and then it creates a feedback. So all of my shows were a disaster. Um, it was always very feedbacky and I was very misunderstood. And every time I, I, I showed up, people looked at me as like, I was like, oh, this girl with her machine, she's going to fuck up again. But someone did saw the potential and somebody called me from a reality show. I never wanted to go. I always thought, that TV is the devil <laughs> and they see people as, as stereotypes. And I was very afraid that somebody would take me in and turn me just because I'm fat to some like type of Adele, because this is what they know. So I went with my looper and my, and my musical partner, his name is Afshalom. Uh, he works with me until this day. And uh, I went with six sets of headphones because I was afraid that once again, there's going to give me like a shitty speaker. I wanted everyone to listen to what I hear when I make music. And they were very skeptical. And, uh, and I gave it, and I gave, I gave everyone a headphone and I sat down with, with my looper on my lap and I started doing my thing. And I was so concentrated on the box. I, I, I did look up and I saw six 
open mounts <laughs> uh, shopped. And then the, the director of the show, uh, Yoav Tafir, he put his headphones down and he said, listen, you're gonna win Eurovision, not just this show. And he said that we need to figure out how to make this visual because all of the looping artists are very, very annoying. They all have their <laughs> GoPros, GoPros on their foreheads and nobody sees what they're doing. It's very nerdy, but you are a pop star and we need to figure out how, how do we make this happen? And when he said the words pop star, it felt to me that he understood what this is. And, and I felt very, and, 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 be, and instead of like the devil, I found amazing partners that could, that could really roll high with me. And we started working together on, they built like a custom made stand. I was like, so, I was so poor. <laughs> I couldn't even afford new cables. They built for me, like, it's like the princess for a day movie. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, that was what happened. And, and it worked. The show went on air and people became uh, very, very obsessed uh, with what I do. And, and I started getting um, a lot of recognition really, really fast. It was overwhelming for me uh, and, and shocking. I started to get a lot of love, not, not full, a lot, a, lot for, a lot because of what I do, but, but also a lot because of my story, which I never hide. I'm always happy to tell. I never thought this could go so far. I was sure that that I'm never that 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 I'm that I'm that I'm always the underdog. I was never mainstream, not at school, not when I do music. I always had my niche and I was very happy with it. I was never ready for a word like popular to be attached to me. <laughs> not, not in any way. And, uh, and then it happened. Uh, and I was very, very strict in the way I, the way I was doing my craft. I said, everything I do live from start to finish, nothing recorded. The beatbox I do live, the bass I do live, everything I do live, and this is what's going to protect me. And and when you do you, you accidentally inspire other people, whether you want it or you don't. And I and I won this competition, and then Eurovision came, and then I won that too which was, I went from nothing to so much in, in such a little period of time. And my life completely changed. All of a sudden I was touring Europe. I didn't know, like, I had only the songs I, sa I sang in, in the show, which was, you know, some, some really, really, really good covers that I did from scratch with my looper and, and the song that I won with, which was written for me by two wonderful men. And I didn't know what's going to happen. I just knew that, that I am a part of something that is bigger than me. I am part of something that... Um, by the way, why do you say about my nails? Gorgeous. <laughs> ah, I love your nails. <laughs> Thank you. Dagger. 
Thank you. And it's just, you know, we're getting started. You can, you can report to your listeners. We're, we're, we're blue. We're still blue. And, but we're going to have, I think like pink, yellow, orange. pink, yellow, orange goo on them. So I'm really invested, really invested in my nails. Uh, so I realized that, that I'm, I'm, I'm something that is no, is very different from being a musician. It's being a symbol for something. It's being sort of a national hero for your country after 20 years of not bringing something home. Suddenly, you're you're a, a beacon for so many girls and boys not finding themselves in the world. I didn't have a lot of material, but I think I had something to say or my presence was important in people's lives. I just needed to meet my fans. I just needed to meet the people that was affected by that. So I, I decided to tour because that, that was what, it wasn't what I, I needed to do. It was, it was just what, what was needed. That the situation needed uh, this. And, and after that, I, I started my way uh, as a musician, which is just now beginning. <laughs> Not it's not yet started. I, I, I would disagree. I think you're an astonishingly accomplished musician. You know, for our listeners who might be new to your music, um, you are enormous in Europe, but in, in some ways you're still emerging in the United States. Um, while you're an incredibly talented singer and songwriter, something that, as you say, sets you apart in pop music is your technological savvy and your creative wizardry when it comes to looping multiple tracks live until you are performing something that sounds like your own self-generated ultra-modern orchestra. Can you, can you just get <laughs> a little wonky for a second and tell us what exactly what equipment you use to create these incredible performances because I'm sure there are a lot of young women out there who see you and who want to do what you're doing I love this question I'm actually never asked that really um, but I, I'm, I'm rarely asked I'm asked a lot by fans but I'm rarely asked in interviews so I'm gonna say that I started and for a very long time, and still to this day, use the TC Helicon Voice Live 2, which I use as a vocal designer. I use the auto-tune there, which um, I use only as a taste, <laughs> something that, that, that not for pitch perfection, only for taste I can sing I have like a, a 12 year training for that 12 the 12 year of like vocal vocal training that I'm very proud of no one can take away absolutely um, but I do like the sound and I think that as much as I've tried to to mimic what it does, you know, they stop manufacturing this specific piece of gear. You can buy it secondhand, but but you can't really buy it anymore. Uh, this is became this auto tune and this harmonizer became my signature sound. The way it doubles my voice, the the way it it we it you can you can choose a key and it and it automatically. Um, miraculously harmonized you. Uh, really, really found it very difficult to to recreate. And in, in I do recreate it. I do. I did recreate it, but I can't. Uh, 
recreate and elaborate it, but I can't, uh, uh, th this is still a, a beautiful piece of gear if you use it right. Uh, the second one I use is just the RC505 Boss Looper. Uh, it has five tracks and uh, it has um, effects that I can put on my voice as well as like reverb and pitch band and my favorite uh, beat repeat feature, which I can use over the, the tracks that I've recorded. And, uh, and also it can peach bend my voice to, to sound like a, a, a bass, like a bass guitar. Amazing. Uh, and, and all of that I used in the beginning. And right now I, uh, I've built, um, I, I, I uh, replaced, um, I replaced the TC Helicon with a controller that is controlling effects that is coming from Ableton. And it's basically makes me sound a lot better because the TC Helicon is, is, is very limited. It's like the bigger you go with venues, the more quality <laughs> you need your, your, your gear to be. And in some stages, it's, it's not enough, I have to say. Uh, so, so I needed to, to, to grow up. And basically, uh, that's my gear story. Excellent. You know, I am first and foremost a fan of your music, but it's difficult to articulate how meaningful it is to me as a round Jewish woman to see a round Jewish woman in popular culture absolutely slaying and being an incredibly glamorous sex symbol rock star. I, I saw you perform live for the very first time just a couple of months ago at Bowery Ballroom here in New Yo, York City. You were there? I was absolutely there. Those you did more than one show. They were completely sold out. The crowd was packed. It was going absolutely nuts for you. You were wearing elaborate skimpy outfits and watching this adoring crowd love you made me feel like I could love myself more. And it totally made me cry up in the balcony where I was watching. I Can you tell me a little bit about how you've created your super glam on stage pop star image? And where can I shop to look more like you? Whoa, question I love question I love I put a lot of effort and funds <laughs> in in how I look really uh it's uh it's a challenge I can't say it's not it's like a circle clothes manufacturers don't think that uh women would buy bigger sizes like that uh, because they don't think they're beautiful and because of those manufacturers not manufacturing clothes people big girls don't believe that they're beautiful and it's like a vicious cycle that is difficult to break uh, especially especially in Israel where I come from like absolutely no one does that and the fewer that does uh, there's like a very very amazing girl named Retema you can look for a brand online and she creates super, super cool everyday outfits. But actually my onstage glam is almost always custom made by really, really amazing Israeli designers mostly. Um, it, it's made from scratch. It's me and Itai Batsarelli, my stylist. Avi Malka, my hairdresser, and the Ran Israeli, my makeup guy. Uh, we all sit together and we create, as a team, the looks for every video, for every uh, uh, for every event. Everything is well thought of, 
and 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 this is um something that is very important to me as like a big girl to to show i don't feel big especially when i'm on stage i feel that i'm i don't feel big in a in a in a bad way i feel big in a very very good way i feel i feel so in love with with the 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 room i take it's just enough and i'm so comfortable in my skin when something is fitted fits me so well i feel like i have my place in the world i admit i sometimes get very tired of it and sometimes i i used i i i i have like my natural phases like right now i really like my hair down and i really like to have like breaks uh from makeup but but i have the soul of a drag queen i <laughs> i really 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 like it i really like it i do <laughs> it's so funny that you're getting your nails done right now because i wanted to talk about your new single i love my nails as I mentioned before, it's going crazy on YouTube right now. And for good reason, the song and the video are beautiful tributes to self-care and self-love in the face of heartbreak. The song belongs on every cool girl's breakup mix. Absolutely. There, it, there's a certain line that gets me every time when you sing stupidly wasted the peak of my prime on you. You will never love me like I love you. Stupidly wasted the peak of my prime on you. You will never love me like I love you. You will never love me like I love you. Maybe I don't care cause I, I love my nails. I, I love my nails. Oh my God. There is obviously a very specific heartbreak story that inspired that song. Can you tell me anything about that relationship, what happened and what the status is of your love life now? Well, single. Hell yeah to that. <laughs> and oh no, also. <laughs> uh, I fell in love with a guy who could never... Uh, who could never love me like it was a very deep understanding we come from a very 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 different we we come from very different places i am i am a, 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 a i'm i'm a prize i'm a very very big trophy but it's a it's a lot to handle and sometimes it's 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 too much to some people and I wish it wasn't <laughs> sometimes uh, 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 you meet someone that all of a sudden has the power to make you feel and wish that you were something else mm. than what you are I never thought I, I, I thought I, I was so strong. I've built myself so strong. I've made all the process. I already love myself. I feel so big. I feel so wonderful. I feel so, and then poof, back to ground zero. And it's a very sad situation. I felt very helpless. And all of a sudden I felt very heartbroken and rejected out of the entire world. And then I started to rethink this song that I wrote with amazing other people named Soki and the Monarch. We wrote a song about nails and just nails. Like, I like acrylics. I like my gels. I like the fiddling. Yeah, you can tell. Fetch my keys. Fetch my bag. I love my nails. Something like that. And it never felt complete to me. It never felt like, like it. 
And when I was very, very depressed uh, from the situation, I found that building and doing my nails makes me act a little bit different every time I go out. And then this specific little feeling that made me hate, like I showed up for me for just a, a little second. And I thought it would be amazing to connect it with heartbreak. And this is how nail, I Love My Nails came to be. Well, while I love my nails is actually an amazing metaphor for rebuilding your self-esteem back up and loving and showing up for yourself when, when you uh, obviously need to. It sounds like you're in a good place with everything and, and, and how it inspired you. But just as a fan and as a viewer, you look like an absolute goddess in the video. I hope that he watches yeah. it and that he gags because you look I incredible. Hope so too. Mm -hmm. I hope so too. <laughs> I need to know, Netta, are you a feminist? I don't know. I am Netta. Okay. I, I was raised by very strong women. I was raised by my grandmother, who I actually tributed in the video. There's an old lady mm -hmm. uh, in the video doing my nails. Uh, my, 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 my grandmother was a very big, big, big. Uh, she was a big woman. She was a CEO and she would CEO of a tire factory. And she would tell dirty jokes in every occasion uh and and she was like a diva like when she died i was 12 um and in her funeral there were like 500 people and she was she was so special to a lot of people and uh she was the one that taught me she was the only one around me that that looked like me and she, she's one of the biggest, my biggest inspirations. And the reason I, I am, I am so confident. So I decided to tribute her. And the fact that I was raised by my mother as well, which, uh, which is, which she, 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 she has a very interesting story also about her. She, uh, already had like two degrees um, when she was raising us and she was working at a pharmaceutical company and she was running the legal department without, without being a lawyer. And somebody told her in some meeting, he argued with her and in the end he told her uh, that she can't say anything to him because uh, She's not a lawyer and she doesn't know. And she was, she was his boss, right? And she was so, uh, she came home, uh, she, was, she was so red and, and, and angry and furious. And, and actually in, on, on, in a very delicate situation. And, uh, and she, I saw her crying and looking for places to study a degree in law just because somebody said something and she did it raising three children and studying for a third profession I owe it first of all to them but I know that I and my place in music I can't allow myself to not be a feminist I owe this and my independence to all these women fighting for their voice and for my voice before me. I have 
no no right to act different. I'm here because of them. This is my final question, and it is the last question that I ask every guest on our show. And that question is, what you're watching? It is a broad pop cultural question. We want to know about books and movies and television and music and music videos and podcasts, anything that you are consuming pop culturally. We want to know about it because it is probably very, very cool. Netta, what you're watching? I'm watching Severance, which is a very, 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 very cool show that looks like one of my videos almost every time I watch it. So, so well thought. It's on Apple TV and it's so, oh, really everything in it uh, is so sterile and 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 symmetrical and the storyline is is heartbreaking and and it's new and something i never seen before really recommended i'm also very into ted lasso which is a very I good ted lasso it was such a feel good really really good really good and really well made uh, I'm listening right now to Remy Wolf a lot and also to Nathi Peluso, which is an amazing, amazing Argentinian Spanish artist that when you look at her, she seems to care only about the energy that she puts out. She's, she's a looker. She's like, a, she's, she's a, a, one of the prettiest and amazing women that I saw, but, but it's not the thing about her. It's, it's, she, she doesn't care. It's the energy. It's, it's, she's a fireball. It's just uh, uh, mesmerizing to watch and listen to her. So, so this is my uh, recommendations. Thank you so Love much. It. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Kelly. We're going to take the briefest of breaks and then I'm going to ask Callie. And Callie, you're going to ask me, what you watching? What you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project, and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious and I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted, and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google Calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have docket. We all have a docket. Sex. Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. (laughs) Scams. I'm Caitlin Bradley Smith. <laughs> and, and we, we love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German Russian heiress and she seems like she has a lot of money and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. Which Amazing. Was so smart. I mean, so like, smart. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. Hey, Pop-Tart listeners. 
Have you been trying to record your own podcast, but you keep getting bogged down by technical problems? Luscious Logan can take the raw recordings of your show, edit and produce them to give them that rich, full-body sound that you hear right now. If you have a deep need to express yourself and sound good in the process, reach Luscious Logan. LusciousLogan13 at gmail.com That's LusciousLogan13 at gmail.com If you want to have that luscious sound. Callie, we talked to Netta. That was real. We did that. I know. I love it. And she was getting her nails done while we were interviewing her, which is such a boss move. I'm sorry, but that is boss bitch behavior. That really is. She was going for it. And now is the time in the program where I ask you because I want to know and I got to know and I absolutely need to know. Callie, what you watching? Well, like everybody Stranger Things is back on Netflix. It's back. I mean, it broke the record, the Netflix record for um, an opening week. Um, and thanks to fucking Stranger Things is going to be a motherfucking Kate Bush summer girl. Kate Bush summer, 70s Bush. I'm so excited. So in the show, Max, um, the character Max, running, uh, running Up the Hill is her favorite song. And so... She listens to it a lot in the, and it's like a pivotally important. Have you gone, have you seen the whole season yet? No, I have not, but I know that it's a Kate Bush summer. Yeah. So there's it. Kate Bush plays a couple times in, in the season, but then there's one like pivotally important part, which this isn't really a spoiler because she's listening to it the whole fucking show. But, um, they, her, all the friends can't figure out her. They have to figure out her favorite song. They know her favorite song. And if my best friends didn't know my favorite song at the moment, that'd be weird. Callie, I don't know your favorite song. Right now? Um, it's probably yeah. uh, My Best Friend was Sweetie. Or, oh, okay. Are we talking my best, my favorite song now or of all time? Yeah, I mean, I I have no idea. I wouldn't. I don't know what my favorite song is. How can I know what yours is? There's so many good songs. <laughs> well, she was literally listening to it all the time, much like I am with Kate Bush now. Because ever since that, I've been waking up with just Kate Bush running up the hill stuck in my head. Either that, or I wake up with the Wet Leg Shays Lounge. <laughs> I've been waking up with um, Liz Fair Polyester Bride in my head this week every every morning. <laughs> Fucking earworms. Also, I really like that the actor that played Freddy Krueger um, makes an appearance in this season. Robert yeah. England is on the series. Yes, yes. Um, and they make you know they're always re- referencing old '80s horror movies and various other horror movies, and so there's some some Freddy Krueger references in there. Um, but yeah, so it was a very nice little moment, I will say. So Stranger uh-huh. Things is crushing it, and I can't wait for the rest of season four to come out. So doing it in two parts, which is rude. Um, then I've also been watching Hacks, which I know you've been watching, right? Yeah, I think I'm like two or three episodes into the new season. I want to make it last because I love that show. I love it. I love James Park so much. Um, did you get to the Lesbian Cruise episode yet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was very cringy. That was a lot. Like at first I was like, oh, this is great. She's like coming around. And then I was like, oh man, she's pulled that ball hard. <laughs> it was funny. It, 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 it's hilarious. It maintains its hilarity. Uh, you and me both went to go see Peaches live. We saw Peaches. What a fucking amazing show with that giant inflatable condom that she was walking in over the crowd. Yeah, Callie and I saw Peaches and she um, came out across like the audience uh, walking on people's shoulders in a 50 foot condom. And when she got to the end of the condom, she continued singing while spraying jizz all over the audience. It was epic. 
it was amazing. It was, it was what I expected. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't disappoint. Another song that I got stuck in my head is, um, uh, my girl, my girl sent me this song. Um, it's Mr. G from summer Heights high. And the song is like, he's playing a piano and goes, she's a party girl with a, a bad habit, a bad habit for drugs. She's a slut and she knows it. <laughs> that song was written for you, girl. <laughs> I know, it's like an anthem. And so then I was like, I looked up what show it was from. Because obviously I was like, I'm singing this song all the time. And it's from the show Summer Heights High. And then I was trying to figure out where I can watch it. Apparently it's a spinoff of that show. Jamie, remember that? Jamie. Yeah, I, I remember Summer High Tie that I saw a few episodes and I thought it was funny. Well, it got taken off of the, all the streaming service, uh, services because of black and brown face. <gasps> right, right. Because he was playing Tongan and he's not Tongan. Right. So now I'm like, sorry, song. <laughs> That's my anthem. And the last thing I've been watching is Barry. Because I'm obsessed with Bill Hader. And why is he so oddly hot? I don't know why. Like, I think it's because he's really funny in a vulnerable, fucked up way. Like, like I have a sort of radar for vulnerable, fucked up guys who are like, who are like, very tender and wounded inside and he gives that vibe he does give that vibe in Barry though he's not it's not a comedy he's very serious and in in the opening image of Barry like he's like leaning against the wall somehow looking smoking hot and like Hmm. I can't put my finger on what it is and so and I don't know if you've seen Barry but it's so good there's this I'm in love with this guy Anthony Kerrigan on there he's the this bald guy gay guy um it's kind of like I get, maybe he's now you know he's got like no eyebrows and he's just such a great character and barry plays a contract killer who wants to get into acting <laughs> <laughs> which is just a great concept and um the last episode was a motherfucking cliffhanger that i saw it's such a brilliantly done show it's it's really really great and so then i got in, into a bill Hader hole and I started watching like the best of Bill Hader on YouTube and all of his crazy ass impersonations. He's just so fucking great. I got a big. I liked him. on Saturday Night Live when he would play Vincent Price. <laughs> it was a terrible Vincent Price impression. He didn't sound like him at all, but it just made me laugh anyway. Well, you love Vincent Price. I love Vincent Price. So that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Well, the first thing that I've been watching is um, something that I've been reading. I don't know if you remember, this is actually, like you've been at at Bust for a million years, but I've been at Bust for a million and one years. Mm-hmm. And I think either like the second or third person that I ever interviewed for Bust was a child music prodigy named Rachel Trachtenberg, mm. who was the drummer for her family's band, the Trachtenberg Family Slideshow Players. Right. Um, and uh, I love that band. They're, they were sort of mainstays of the anti-folk movement here in New York City while they were a thing. Now Rachel's all grown up and, and gorgeous and talented and doing her own musical thing. And her mom, Tina Pina Trachtenberg, has a new children's book out that I just think is the bee's knees. It's so cute. The book is called Hi, I'm Mother Pigeon. And it has artwork by Tina Pina and the words are by the patriarch of the Trachtenberg family slideshow players, Jason Trachtenberg. And the book is all about Tina Pina bird watching in Brooklyn and then making her soft sculpture creations based on the birds that she sees and then putting them all around her on the streets of New York City as performance art, which is something that she really actually does. She is a bona fide uh, New York City treasure weirdo Wait, is this the and woman that um, has all the pigeons fake pigeons around her all the time yes oh, yes i love it that's tina pina she's a, she is a powerful witch she is a creative genius i love it when she she makes these soft sculpture pigeons that look so real that it looks like like she's surrounded by real pigeons all the time but they're actually individual like 
soft sculpture pigeons that she makes by hand and they're so beautiful and the book also comes with a cassette throwback it comes with a cassette with 10 songs that go along with the book um and i think you know it's one of those things that's a kid's book but like as an adult i was told i just was so charmed by it the artwork is so beautiful Okay, so I also saw two new movies. Um, one is newer than the other, but they were both great, in my opinion. Like, I have made my triumphant return to to seeing movies in movie theaters, and I just loved it so much. The first movie I saw was perverted in every possible sense of the word. It's called Crimes of the Future. It's the new body horror movie written and directed by David Cronenberg. Um he he's maybe most famous for crash but you know it's this was his like first sci-fi horror movie since his 1999 movie existence and it stars Vigo Mortensen and Leah Sadu and Kristen Stewart it premiered at Cannes this year at Cannes this year and um it was in competition for the Palm Door. It got like a six minute standing ovation, but also a lot of people walked out on it, which I think just makes it all the more compelling, honestly. Oh my God, I love it. Um, and I want to watch it as soon as that, that happens. I'm in. What, was it because of uh, gore or? Yeah, it was kind of because of gore. It, it's it's in like this dystopian sort of art obsessed, but falling apart future and it follows this performance artist couple who are played by Vigo Mortensen and Leia Sadu. And um, because like people are mutating because of like sort of like toxic climate, like be- because of like how toxic the environment is in the future, like everybody's bodies are mutating. And um, Vigo Mortensen's character keeps growing new weird organs and um his performance art partner is a surgeon and she removes those weird new organs that he keeps growing live on stage as performance art i am in to that and there's this this incredible scene where like kristen stewart is she's she's like a she's sort of like a government investigator, but she's also kind of a performance art groupie. And she like, she just sort of breathlessly um, whispers into Viggo Mortensen's ear, like surgery is the new sex. Don't you agree? (laughs) You know, this is an anxious age and people are going to act out in all kinds of kinky ways. Um, There, there were people who were disgusted by this film, but I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Um, I just thought it was really funny and I enjoyed, I enjoyed it very much. And generally speaking, I enjoy David Cronenberg as, as a writer director. I think, uh, that he has a lot to say. And the other film that I saw that I really, really liked, I went to the new Alamo draft house cinema in downtown Manhattan in the financial district. And I saw everything everywhere all at once. It's so good. It's sort of an absurdist sci-fi comedy drama crazy adventure that stars Michelle Yeoh as a Chinese American woman. She's runs a a laundromat. She's being audited by the IRS. The, the auditor is Jamie Lee Curtis and Jamie Lee Curtis is phenomenally funny in this movie. And um, somehow she ends up slipping into like a, a multiverse and she has to connect with parallel versions of herself to prevent this like all powerful sort of um, nihilistic being who is actually her daughter from causing like the, ins- the destruction of the entire universe. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of martial arts. There's some incredible fight sequences. Um, and Daniel Kwan is no, I'm sorry. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart, who they they're known as the Daniels. They they wrote, directed, and co-produced it together. Um, I read and, some, uh, some article that Kiyu Kwan, um, he was in Indiana Jones. Remember the the young kid in Indiana Jones with the bricks on his shoes? 
Right. He is. He plays the husband in this movie. And he was also in the Goonies and he had kind of just retired from acting. And he said that or like, you know, kind of laid back. And um, he said that he recently felt like Asian people could get more roles. And so he's gone back into acting because he's right. there a moment. Yeah, he's totally having a moment. And he yeah, he plays he plays the husband in this movie and he did an amazing job. He did a lot of martial arts too. It was really cool. And I enjoyed it. And it was very, very funny. I recommend it. And the last thing that I've been watching is the Majestic Pop Tarts Patreon page. Yay! Um, we need your help to keep Bust alive. And hopefully you'll be excited by the goodies that we've hooked up for patrons of this show um, on patreon.com slash pop tarts podcast callie and i with help from team bust have been typing up show notes exclusively for patreon donors that include links to what every single guest has been watching for all 129 129 episodes we've got totally ad free episodes there and exclusive content like the amazing episode we did with big frida and much more please check it out at patreon.com slash pop tarts podcast and consider tossing us a few shekels for the hard work that we do for you i'd also like to thank at this time our luscious producer and sound engineer logan del fuego muy caliente logan and our girl gang at bust magazine you can find me on twitter at emily rems and on instagram at rems emily but you cannot find Callie on social media, so do not even try, right? No, 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 no. However, you can email both of us. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com. Callie W at bust.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the word out, and we super duper appreciate it. Until next time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.